Hey friend, Graham Baldwin here with The Speaker Lab. Hey, wouldn't it be nice if someone gave you the exact process to find and book more speaking gigs in 2024? That'd be nice, right? Well, I'll tell you what, we're just gonna do that for you. We've created a new 18-page guide based on Dan Irvin's process that helped him actually book over $100,000 in speaking gigs in the past year. Now, Dan is one of our uh, team members here. He's this, a very successful speaker and also one of our coaches. And so you're gonna learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, proposal emails, and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps. Again, that's plural, thespeakerlab.com slash steps. We're going to send you that PDF guide right to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps. That's it. That's all you got to do. Go there. Hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, friends? Graham Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. We've got another great show for you today, and I'm excited for you to hear my conversation with Miss Kara Golden. Now, Kara is the founder and CEO of Hint Water, and has also authored a book called Undaunted that we uh, talked briefly about. Now, as a former tech executive, she actually credits a lot of her diverse professional experiences and commitment to restoring her health as the inspiration for launching the Hint brand, If which, by the way, if you haven't tried that water, it's really, really, really good. Now, believe it or not, professional speaking was not something that actually came naturally to her. And so she's going to walk us through how she really kind of stepped into her own when it comes to telling her story and connecting with an audience. Also, as the CEO of a thriving company, Kara's passionate about inspiring people to help share their story and be who they are. And her book, Undaunted, has really sparked the, the reimagination of taking risks, helping others through sharing their story and letting curiosity lead the way. Whether you're just getting started or you're looking for a fresh take on what it's what's next in your speaking career, there's a lot to learn from my time with Kara. So let's get right to it. Here's my conversation on being a CEO and a speaker with Kara Golden. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, friends? Grant Bolden here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Today, we are joined by Miss Kara Golden, who is the founder and CEO of Hint Water, which if you haven't picked up, you got to pick it up. You have great branding, by the way, great packaging. Uh, so uh, a phenomenal product. Would definitely encourage people to check that out. And also the author of the book Undaunted, which we'll talk about in a bit. Uh, but Kara, thanks for uh, joining us today. Thanks for having me. All right, so let's first let's start by going back in time. You uh, have a very successful beverage company. Uh, give us the backstory here. We're going to talk about speaking back. Give us the backstory about how did Hint Water come to be? Yeah, so uh, gosh, I can't believe it. Almost 16 years ago, mm. I decided to try and get a bottle on the shelf of this thing that I had been making in my kitchen at Whole Foods in San Francisco. And uh you know, didn't seem that hard to me. I mean, how hard could it be to get a, a launch a brand and get a product on the shelf? I had never been an entrepreneur. I had worked for a lot of different entrepreneurs, but none in the food and beverage industry. I had been a tech executive. I ran uh, America Online's e-commerce and shopping partnerships. Uh, I came to America Online through an acquisition, which uh, was a uh, co small company that was actually a, a little known Steve Jobs idea that he had created inside of Apple that was doing CD-ROM shopping. And uh, there were like five guys that worked for Steve. I didn't work for Steve. And they were sticking a bunch of catalogs on a disc. And uh, I just thought Steve Jobs, when I moved to Silicon Valley, was this icon. I had had one of the sure. first... Um, Apple computers when I was in college. I was a journalism major. So I, I thought 
I, you know, I don't want to type out my papers and try and use whiteout and screw up my typewriter keys. I'll, uh, I'll just buy one of those fancy um, computers sit with all of my babysitting money from high school. And that's what I did. And uh, so anyway, I, like I said, I never worked for Steve, but worked for, you know, guys that did, and they definitely picked up some entrepreneurial spirit. And prior to that, uh, I worked for a late stage startup, um, but it wasn't termed that back then, uh, called CNN. And, mm. uh, that was in, uh, the early nineties and when Ted Turner was still running around the office and, yeah. and, uh, I actually was recruited out of, um, a company called Time Magazine. And uh, that was, um, I think the jump from Time Magazine over to CNN, I really learned about culture and about how there were just different ways of doing things and none was bad. It was just, right. you know, lots of different learnings along the way. And so between, you know, Time and CNN and Two Market, the startup, and then America Online, I had been through just an incredible experience. I still didn't say I'm going to go be an entrepreneur, but when I was taking a couple of years off, uh, when I left America online, it was a billion dollars in revenue to, uh, to America online. And I had three young kids under the age of four and I decided I wanted to take a little break and mm -hmm. take some time off to be a mom in San Francisco. And, uh, in addition, I wanted to get healthy. And for me, I had uh, gained a bunch of weight over the course of all of my pregnancies, and I had developed terrible adult acne that I had never even had as a teenager. Uh, and also my um, energy levels. I, I always had energy, and then it just like slowly was plummeting mm -hmm. over the course of many years. I kept blaming it on working too much and mm -hmm. flying around in different time zones, but, um, but I really saw when I was taking a break that it really wasn't that it was like, there was something else going on. So after dieting and, and really trying to figure it out with my food and my exercise, that's when one day by accident, I looked at my, uh, diet soda, diet Coke can in particular, and I saw the ingredients and I thought, wow, like if that was food, I would cancel it. Right. Yeah, I would, yeah. I would just eliminate it. And no one was talking about what I was drinking when they were saying, you should really watch what you eat. And so I just decided to do a little test. And so just by swapping out my diet soda for plain water, I, in two and a half weeks, I lost 24 pounds, my wow. skin cleared up and my energy levels increased. And I thought, wait, how'd that happen? I'm yeah. drinking diet and I thought diet meant health. And then Again, I think my curiosity, I, I sort of thank a lot of what I learned along the way in tech around thinking, you know, let's just keep building. Let's, let's do 2.0. Let's, you know, my curiosity just kept kind of sitting with me every single morning thinking, wait, isn't diet supposed to be healthy? Maybe sure. low fat is not really healthy either. Maybe the stuff like that has vitamin on it really isn't as healthy as I thought either. And so that's when, like I said, I just decided I'm going to go launch a product that makes water taste better without sweeteners in it. And, um, you know, how hard could it be? Sure. And that was, that was how hint began. Very cool. 16 years ago. 
16 years ago. And uh, yeah, and you know, you mentioned my book, I, I, I've talked so much along the way about how people have said to me, you must be fearless. Like, how did you, how did you like, how are you willing to take the risk? You have to understand, I, when I had this idea, as I said, I had three kids under four, but then I got pregnant with my fourth. So by the time I birthed Hint, I was not the profile of an entrepreneur that you thought was going to be able to pull this thing off because I had four kids under the age of six, right? I'm, I'm like living in San Francisco. I'm a, you know, known as a tech executive, not as a beverage executive. And right. I just figured like people, people would say to me, well, like what happens if you fail? Right. And I was like, well, I can always go back and work in tech. Mm -hmm. I would just tell people about this crazy thing that happened. And if nothing else, I'd be an entertaining get, you know, guest <laughs> at a dinner, right? Like I just thought it was hysterical. Right. And I look back on those, you know, stories as ones where I felt like just by sharing those stories with entrepreneurs and different audiences, uh, you know, and my life journey is they weren't funny when I was living it. Right. right. It was hard. <laughs> and, but then when I look back that I, I can really share those and, and help people know that you can do it too. It yeah. wasn't perfect. I had failures. I had fears along the way. I guess I was resilient. I mean, I, I guess I, I took risks, but that's not what I sat there and, and said I was going to do every single day. What I did say was that I was going to try. Yeah. And that was like, and I never allowed that wall around me to get too big. Instead, right. I, when I found that I, if I feared something, I would allow my curiosity to be, to, to really lead and, and eventually crumble those fears. Right. So I'm curious at this point, you, you have been, you've built obviously a very successful company. Were you doing a lot of speaking pre hint, even when you were with AOL and CNN and time, or at what point did, did you start doing some speaking and speaking kind of become part of your, your, your brand and your business? So it's funny. I remember, uh, particular in particular at, at America online, I was pregnant with my first child and I was asked by my boss to go to Shanghai. And this is 1999 and Shanghai was just kind of opening up. And mm -hmm. I, I was seven months pregnant with <laughs> my first. Okay. That's so like a risky trip. It was a risky trip. But first of all, I thought this was, he couldn't go. And so he said, would you be interested in going? And I remember thinking this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. I've had a really easy pregnancy. Meanwhile, my husband is looking at me like, really, you're really, you're really going. He knew he couldn't stop me from doing it, but he was like, I don't think this is such a great idea. My, hu my husband's father is a doctor in New York and he is a uh, infectious diseases, gastro doctor. So he's like, you know, don't drink the water. I mean, yeah. it was just in 1999, it was still, you know, it was just kind of, there were a lot of things that were happening over in Shanghai that are significantly better today with, with time, but, uh, but it was a little scary. So anyway, I went there and I did the presentation. Um, 
was the only woman speaker, was the only pregnant woman, uh, was the only redhead. And, you know, I stood out, I spoke about e-commerce and trying to figure out how to actually make that happen in China. And I mean, it was just, it was crazy on a lot of levels, got home, never got sick, everything was fine. Uh, But I remember thinking, wow, I don't want to do that again. It was really, I was so scared and so nervous and Mm -hmm. had put this great presentation together. And I just never wanted to put myself into that position again. And so when I started Hint in 2005, people would reach out to me because especially in Silicon Valley and tech, they would they would invite me to come in to speak at a lot of tech offices because they'd say, this is so crazy. Like, how did you decide to start a beverage company? And then especially when we started getting hint into a lot of these offices, they, they would ask me like to come in and speak. And I mean, honestly, I would, I would just kind of avoid those calls because I was just, I was really busy, but I was more really nervous. And I thought, gosh, I'm going to have to do a presentation, whatever. And then at one point, I really thought, I've got to get over this. I mean, everything that I talked about, about all my fears, that was like a real fear for me was, but I didn't talk about it still. And then I remember one day this conference reached out to me in San Francisco and they said, will you come speak? And we're going to pay you to come speak where, you know, and I thought, okay, you know, I'm still bootstrapping my company. And I thought, well, maybe I'll, I'll come and do it. And I did this presentation. I was so nervous about it. I don't think I ate for two days prior. I was just like, you know, all like ramped up and gave the presentation and people gave me this incredible feedback that they were like, yours was one of the most authentic talks. And I remember talking to my husband about this. Cause you know, anytime you get great feedback, you're just like, Oh wow. You know, like it was worth it. Right. <laughs> totally. And so he, so I remember him saying to me, well, I, you didn't seem like you thought that it went that well. What was the problem? I mean, what, what did you think was kind of the key thing? And I said, I remember thinking what was in the slides and I wanted to know whether or not, like, I was a little nervous that I wasn't following the slides. Mm-hmm. And he randomly said, well, maybe you shouldn't have slides. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, but I have to have slides. And he said, has anybody told you that you have to have slides? And I said, no, but, and, and so he was like, then maybe you just shouldn't have slides. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Let it rest. And then a couple of weeks later, somebody reached out to me and I really didn't have time to do this talk. And I said, look, the only way that I will do it is if I don't have to have slides. And I did it as a test to see whether or not they would actually bite. And then they said, yes. And they said, sure, no problem. So I get there. I'm the only speaker that didn't have slides. And so I have this like, you know, kind of imposter syndrome. I don't even know if you call it that thinking, okay, you know, if this doesn't go well, like this is going to be really embarrassing. They're going to say, because you didn't have slides or whatever. So I get done. They're like, you were the top speaker at the, of the day. And by the way, we're no longer going to allow our speakers to have slides. Wow. And, And so I thought it was hysterical that I was like, Hmm, this is, this is great. So then from then on, 
I, people would reach out to me and I said, I'm willing to do it, but I just don't do slides. Yeah. And some people have said, no, 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 you got to have slides. And I'm like, totally fine. Like, I'm not your girl. Like, yeah. this is like, this is what I do because that there, there is a style there is a, and, and in particular, when I really started speaking storytelling and kind of really like telling it how it is was not what people were hearing, but yet that was the feedback. I mean, it's kind of something that I think about that Steve Jobs said uh, all the time, which is, you know, you don't ask your audience what they, uh, what they need, right? Mm. You just do it. And then you'll, you'll hear from your audience that that's what they wanted. Right. right? right. And so this was what was, you know, what was happening before us. And I didn't intend to change conferences, but that was, you know, what was happening. And so anyway, it's, it's such a funny, uh, it's a funny thing that I, that I share with other people who have asked me, you know, not only how did you start speaking? Um, because a lot of my speaking has been, frankly, word of mouth, yeah. um, you know, to other people. Hey friends, I got a question for you. Considering where you are in your speaking journey, what are your next steps to take your speaking career to the next level? If your answer is, I, I have no idea or I have too many ideas, I don't know where to start. Let me give you what I believe is the best next step that you can take. I want you to book a call with the Speaker Lab team today over at thespeakerlab.com slash coach. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash coach to see if our personalized coaching program is right for you. We have helped literally thousands of speakers from all over the world find and book more speaking gigs, and we'd love to see if we could help you as well. Our personalized coaching program features done-for-you websites, done-for-you demo videos, weekly coaching calls, access to all of our educational content. We find speaking leads specifically for you and so much more. You've got the talent. You've got the drive. Let us give you the plan to execute. All you got to do is book your call today by going to thespeakerlab.com slash coach. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash coach. Well, for those who, who listen to the, regularly to the show, they'll know that uh, I'm not a big fan of slides. So I'm on board with you right now on that. And I think slides are great. There's nothing wrong with them, but oftentimes they can become such a crutch for speakers. And uh, if it was just going to be a slideshow, then just, just show a movie. There's no need for, for the speaker to be there if you're going to be glued to your, your I, slides that much. Uh, I so totally I, I love agree. that. I, I love that, that you're, you're getting away from the, from the slides and just being fully engaged and fully present with the audience versus just being a, attached to slides. So one of the things I'm curious about for you is as you have been building hints over the past 16 years and the, I'm assuming the speaking requests start to come a little bit more frequently. Uh, how have you balanced the role of, I am a CEO, I'm running this business, uh, but at the same time, uh, there's this thing that I enjoy doing. And this is probably a way to build my own personal brand. This is also a way to just get um, recognition within the industry and um, uh, and potential um, additional revenue for, and sales for the, the business. Uh, so how have you thought about how much speaking you should be doing and then how that fits into the, the primary role of being CEO of a, of a major company? So I think it really goes back to, you know, building this company. We didn't, I, I mean, first of all, I was not just starting a company, but I realized probably two months into launching Hint that we were, that I was launching a, a new product and I knew this before two months, but launching a new product and launching a company, but also it took me a couple of months to figure out that I was launching a new category. Mm. And so by launching a new category, what I always share with people in any industry 
is that you are waiting for the consumer to catch up, to know that they actually need something and so, and need your product. And so you can't buy your way into that. You can't, even if we had the money, and again, we were bootstrapping this for the first couple of years, I was getting my MBA and, you know, beverage sales and marketing along the way and production. Um, but the key thing is, is that we went out and told the story to, you know, fun runs, anyone who would listen in order to kind of build up. And, you know, now you call it grassroots marketing or like we were doing it. There was no sort of term for it that we knew of. We were just doing it yeah. kind of waiting for the consumer to, to catch on to this. And so I think a lot of times I was going out and sharing the story with people and then they would reach out and say, Hey, will you come and speak about this? So initially, um, you know, I was doing it because they were friends, they were, they were customers, right? They were good customers. And I thought, oh, okay, well, I'll just, you know, start somewhere and just start talking about it. Um, but then over time, the request started to come in and they were, you know, major tech conferences and, or they were, you know, law firms where they had people trying to figure out if this is the career that they wanted to be in, or, um, you know, I'm just, I mean, it, I've taught, I've spoken all over the world, frankly, at all these different conferences. And, and I think it, what I find so interesting is oftentimes, I mean, Hint is only distributed in the U S on purpose. Um, and we've basically focused on building the brand here, but the fact that people want to hear not only, from female entrepreneurs, but also from, you know, founders who are still the CEO 16 years later. Mm -hmm. um, how did I raise money? How did I, you know, change industries? How did I, you know, get through failure and risk all these different things along the way? And so people, yeah. So, I mean, it's sort of really organically kind of built up this, this speaking. Having said that, what ends up happening after I talk is that people end up ordering hint, not only the people in the audience, mm -hmm. but oftentimes, you know, the, the, uh, the event will say, Hey, you know, you're going to be talking. Can we, you know, bring hint in, you know, for the talk. Um, sometimes it's actually in the venue. Other times it's just like sitting on the back table. So people can, you know, appreciate it while they're hearing me talk about building the company. And so it's really kind of worked hand in hand over time. I think that the thing that I realized, you know, frankly, from being in kind of a business development strategy role and sales to some extent at, you know, at CNN and also at America Online is that I, I was really good at working on the plane. So it just didn't, I was always working remotely. And so I, you know, even when I've been out speaking, I'm able to, you know, bring my laptop with me since the mid nineties, they were a lot bigger back then, but I was just always able to do it. So I think that, you know, it's never been like, we've never really thought about, okay, how much time, um, you know, should be spent on it. Uh, but because I've just been able to work remotely, but it's definitely expanded, you know, the brand. And what I've learned is that sometimes, you know, you try and measure things, whether that's advertising or, you know, or speaking or, or a book, right. T yep. Try to figure out like, how much is that? Uh, how much can you actually, um, you know, look at that and sort of 
say that was exactly what grew this, this number. And sometimes you can, sometimes you can't, and you just have to know that it's part of the overall theory. But I, I will say one last thing is that, uh, you know, I think consumers today, and I think it's even more so as we start to see Gen Z get into the workforce that, um, you know, they want to know who they're buying brands from. Yeah. Right. And they, and, you know, we've seen this in some tech companies in particular that have imploded over the years. Like, you know, if somebody is not such a, you know, great per- human being, right? Like it really affects whether or not people are going to buy that brand. And there has to be a lot of trust, right? And and I think it's part of the problem with large companies today is that you don't actually, they don't, they don't have a story, right? Yeah. They don't have kind of the, um, the story of vision and then, you know, being in the dirt and actually working. And, um, and so that's a lot of the stuff that I end up talking about as well. And, you know, I think just, I mean, even the book was totally turned in prior to the pandemic, but I mean, I probably have book two and, and definitely it's ending up in a lot of my speaking conversations of how did I manage through the pandemic in a time that, you know, was not, uh, I had never managed before in a pandemic. We were also, uh, managing during a time when, uh, when, you know, we were, we're an essential product. And so, uh, so unlike most employees, we were actually asking the majority of our employees to get out there and work. We gave, you know, masks and hand sanitizers and gloves, but I was not the most popular CEO in the world last March. And, uh, and so telling that story and how did you manage through it and what have you guys done that, you know, maybe you didn't realize prior to the pandemic was smart and really helped you to do and build what you built. Um, those are stories that every company needs to hear. And especially ones that are trying to figure out how do I, you know, maybe they didn't innovate. Maybe they, um, you know, stayed still during this time. And we definitely did not stand still because we, wanted to survive and, um, and we flourished. So that is, that is a story that, uh, not just entrepreneurs want to hear or employees, but also large companies. Yeah. Yeah. Humans. Exactly. Uh, so the, the subtitle of the book is overcoming doubts and doubters. And part of, of being a speaker is you, you have that imposter syndrome so often, and you have the doubts and insecurities and fears and who am I to be standing up here on stage? And, and why would anyone hire me or why would anyone listen to what I have to say? And there's so many speakers at so many different levels who deal with that. You kind of mentioned it, you know, when that, that very first talk going to Shanghai at AOL and going, what am I doing here? Why am I here? Uh, or, you know, the other one locally of, of going, you know, I, I don't want to have slides. And then, but the same time having the voices in the back of your head. So do you still fast forward to today when you are speaking and presenting, do you still have those same doubts or, or insecurities and fears? I think I've done it so much now that it's, uh, there isn't a lot that scares me. And maybe I, I look at my entire journey and think, uh, you know, that, that it's all led up right to this, to this point. And yeah. I think again, when, when you're speaking about your story. And I I mean, the funniest thing that I've been asked multiple times by companies is we, we want to, we want to hire you to teach our team how to be authentic. And I'm thinking like, I, and I tell the audience (laughs) that I'm like, I, I am, I don't know 
how to do that other than the <laughs> fact that you have to own your story yeah. and you have to really understand who you are. And I think that that more people need to hear that. And frankly, it, it's something I talk about in the book too, that, and, you know, I remember when I was going out and, and uh, getting a publisher that there were a lot of publishers that thought that the book was really narrow because it was female entrepreneurs. And, you know, there's, there's not a ton of them out there. And the ones that have written books are, are typically writing about, uh, you know, how they got screwed somewhere along the way. And, and, and I'm like, no, that didn't really happen to me. I mean, I definitely had challenges, but this is, this is kind of what I've, this is what I want to just tell the story along the way and how, you know, I want to inspire the, the thing for me about this book that I found is, is probably the most surprising is that I've had CEOs reach out to me of major public companies, not just women, but also men who have said, what you shared with me makes me rethink. And I think the pandemic kind of helps along the way as well. And, and sort of this thinking, but it's, it's why aren't I taking risk right now? What do I want on my tombstone? What do I, what am I showing my, you know, college age kids to go out and do versus actually playing it safe when I have the money in the bank or I'm focused on, you know, why I can't do something versus, um, or my failures and feeling sorry for myself. And, and so again, I think that that is, um, you know, that is really the focus of, of what I do. And I think it really just boils down to, too, that, you know, you have to figure out what you know and what you're comfortable with in speaking. And, you know, if, if somebody wanted me to come in and talk about EBITDA, I mean, I can roughly, you know, I know enough right. about business. I'm running my company, but that is not something that I enjoy doing, yeah. right? I just, I don't enjoy you know, I've been on audit committees. I don't love that stuff. Right. I, I mean, I know enough to get me in trouble, but that is not really, um, the stuff that I really want to be doing. And so I think you have to figure out what you really want to be doing and what you enjoy. And, and I also think of it, like, look at the lens of where you believe you can help other people and through sharing your own story and that I wouldn't be doing I wouldn't speak. I enjoy it now much more than fear it because I feel like I am helping. And I also talk about, you know, social media that a lot of people are like, how do you get your speaking engagements? I mean, a lot of it comes in through social media and, and I've really used social media as a tool, um, to, to really let people know that I'm out there. Um, and I don't say, Hey, I public speak a lot. I mean, people will just, see my messages and then they'll come back to me and then ask me if I would come and do a talk. Um, but I, I find that that's the other thing piece of, you know, really the speaking stuff where people want me to expand on stuff that I've, that they've heard me say. Yeah. Uh, let's wrap up with this. If, if, if you were going to go back to, you know, even whenever you started Hint, you sounded like you'd been, you'd had a successful tech career at that point and you were, uh, you're uh, a busy mom, you have plenty going on. And this idea of doing something like Hint is a cool idea, but there's a million reasons why you, you could have passed on it or excuses you could have come up with to not do it. 
And I find that there's a lot of people who are in a similar spot with speaking. I've always wanted to be a speaker. I've always wanted to do this. I've done it a couple of times. I would love to do more. I just don't know if I have what it takes. I don't know if I'm good enough. I don't know if my story is compelling enough. I don't know if I have anything interesting to say. And you have all those doubts and fears. Uh, so what advice would you give to those speakers that may be similar to the spot that you were in going, who am I to start a beverage company? Yeah. I mean, I think it just boils down to just getting out there and trying. And so people, you know, I was just giving some advice to somebody who reached out to me yesterday about this, an old colleague and, you know, didn't really know exactly what his story was. And I'm like, you know, you gotta, you gotta take baby steps. Like, you know, you, it's great to have a goal that you want to public speak, but what knowledge do you have that you really think people can value? Yeah. And, and start small and, uh, and go from there. I think that the interesting thing that I always try and figure out when I'm speaking to is who's the audience. And I always want to, you know, talk to the uh, people who are putting it on ahead of time to really understand like what, you know, why are you having this conference? What, what exactly do you want to get out of it? Because I have a lot of different stories. If it's a sales force, I mean, I've been in sales. If it's a bunch of founders, I can, share those stories. If it's, you know, finance it, I can do that too. And so I think it's really trying to figure out what are your pockets, right. And what are you really good at? And then I think also just, you know, viewing it as a conversation. I mean, I, I used to not want people in the audience when I first started talking who I knew to uh. like, I wouldn't allow like anybody from my family or my team to like be in the audience. Now I could care less. Right. Like, I'm just right. like, sure. You want to come, but I don't go out of my way uh, to do that either. And so I think that sometimes it really boils down to exactly the same reasons why people don't start companies is that they have a fear of failure yeah. and right. And it's the same thing with speaking. It's very scary. Um, but you just go out and try and, and, uh, you know, accept those free ones for a while and, you know, and see what happens and, uh, and, you know, and understand where your favorites are too. I mean, what I found is that it's, uh, you know, you need to speak differently, for example, to college students. And, you know, and I talk about my college career and I was waitressing in college. I was a journalism major, like take people back to where, you know, you were and like, right. try and create that picture. And if you can do that, I think that you can definitely have a career in public speaking. Yeah. Kara, very good. We appreciate the time. Again, the book Thank is un Undaunted, Overcoming Doubts and Doubters. Uh, if people want to find out more about you and what you're up to and also uh, check out Hint, uh, where, where can we go? All over social at Kara Golden with an I, and I would love to hear from you. So thank you so much for having me on. You bet. This was fun. We appreciate the time. Thank you. All right. There you go. Hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Speaker Lab podcast. And before you take off, don't forget, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a rating and review within iTunes. We read every single one of those. It helps, it helps other people to find the show. Listen, we, we don't charge anything for you to listen to these. We don't have any ads or anything. 
We do this because we want to serve and support speakers like you. So one small favor we ask of you is that you would leave us some type of a rating and review. And again, we really, really do appreciate that. If you're looking for more help, support as a speaker as you build and grow your business at whatever stage you're at, don't forget to check out thespeakerlab.com, thespeakerlab.com. We got a ton of free resources and tools over there. So again, check it out over at thespeakerlab.com. All right, my friends, that wraps up today's episode. We appreciate you hanging out with us. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome.